This is a crowd podcast. I'm Sam Warburton and you're listening to Captains, the leadership podcast where I talk to some of sport's biggest names about what it takes to build successful teams. Today, my guest is rugby league legend and current France defence coach, Sean Edwards. So to be captain of players like absolute superstars, you're like six, seven years younger than them. Not easy, mate. I always remember that team chart before we played England uh, in the World Cup. I wouldn't give anything to be on that pitch. Hi everyone and welcome back to Captains. I'm really pleased to start this run of episodes with a bang. Someone I know very well after working together for so long at Wales, Sean Edwards. He's achieved so much across league and union that this is actually a two-parter. As a player, Sean was a big name ever since he joined Wigan aged 17 in 1983. He was integral to their success in the 80s and 90s, winning eight consecutive Challenge Cups, three World Club Challenges, eight Championship titles and the Man of Steel in 1990. And we touch on that great Wigan side in this episode. He also won 36 league caps for Great Britain before moving into Rugby Union, where he helped coach a hugely successful Wasp side before we worked together as part of Warren Gatlin's Wales setup. Okay, let's get cracking. It's worth mentioning we spoke a little while before this year's World Cup and we do go into his current role with France, but we start at the very beginning. Enjoy my chat with the absolute legend that is Sean Edwards. Hiya Sean, good to see you again. In retirement now, I, I say one of the most commonly asked questions I get about all my career would be, what Sean Edwards like. Uh, honestly, everywhere I go. I always love answering that because, as you know, I, I'd only have good things to say. But I, I read this one quote, actually, when I was checking all my stats were correct on you. It said, um, Sean Edwards is not just a rugby league legend. He's a British sporting great and one of the fiercest competitors to ever step on a rugby field. And I love that because I just, I loved the ferocity, ruthlessness that you brought to the Welsh environment when you coached me over the eight years. And I wanted to sort of quiz you a bit on where that came from. Well, when you're five foot nine and 12 stone. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably not even five foot nine, I'm probably five foot eight and a half, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been probably under 12 stone at certain times in my playing career. If you, if you, you know, you, you have to stick up for yourself. And, uh, you know, I was mainly a tactician, really, you know, Early in my career, when I was 17, 18, 19, learning the trade, etc., I was a utility player. So, mm. you know, I played wing, I played fullback, I played centre. I played a lot of different positions where, obviously, you know, you can be one-on-one with, with, with... I always remember playing against a great player called Dean Bell, and uh, it was a test match against New Zealand. It was a week after my 19th birthday, and he was the best in the world at the time. And all I thought about the whole game... Do not let him score try. <laughs> <laughs> I must have followed him over every single minute of the match, and he didn't score a try. Well, we, we drew the game in the end, uh, which was pretty good. When did you realise that you were probably what age when you were when you were different to everyone else? When you probably had a different mindset to the other kids around you? Um, you know, my dad pushed me really hard, pushed me really hard, and it was good for him to do that. And I re- I'll always be thankful for him that he did push me hard. My mum pushed me hard too. But I also, when I was about 12, I started training with Wigan Arias, running, running obviously, with with, with great people called uh, Mick Clare, who's passed away now, Jeff Lyon, who, who was a former Wigan international, 
And these guys really shaped my career because instead of hanging around on three corners and getting up to no good, you know what I mean, which is easily done, I was always at the track or in the gym lifting weights, you know, on the punch bag, doing, you know, obviously positive things. And I think I really started doing that when I was about 12. Did you want to be a rugby league great like back then or were you just sort of going to see where you ended up? Or did you think, right, I want to get to the very top? I always wanted to play for Wigan, you know. I'd watch Wigan all the time and my dad was a former, well, he's in the Hall of Fame at Warrington, mm. but unfortunately his career was cut short at 24 years of age. And so my, my dad pushed me hard and uh, and to be honest, my dad made me really scared of going down the pits because my, my dad had been a pit man. Both my granddads were pit men. One of my granddads a year, he had about two fingers on his hands because the pit had come down on him oh, never. And, and, and he'd been trapped down there for, you know, two or three times. Um, and so I had this innate fear of, of becoming a pit man. And he said, if, if you don't train hard enough, you'll have to go down a pit, which ended up being totally wrong because all the pits closed, you know, uh, you know, in the early 80s. But it was that, you know, little bit of fear of, of not wanting to go down pit, really, which also inspired me. So at Wigan, quite quite a lot of media attention around when you signed at just 17 years of age. And there was a... You can say that again, yeah. yeah. 35. Five, million pe- five million people watched it. I was only 16. I was like... <laughs> well, I, I thought this. You had a transfer fee of 35 grand back then. And I had a... When I, I thought of the same age, oh, I, I had a five grand transfer fee. And that was about 25, 30 yeah. years later. So I thought yeah. that's a pretty well, big that, deal. Well, what they forgot to mention was to earn the total 35 grand at playing the first team for five years and... I had to play for Great Britain and go on a Great Britain tour. They, oh, really? they forgot to mention that a little bit. Oh. But they did give me 10 grand. They gave me 10,000. But I got offered I got offered 15 grand by St. Helens, who's actually Wigan's art travels. Yeah, yeah. But but my, I always remember my daddy wrote something down. He, he used to write like a, a report of how I played and stuff. And he said that, because Witness was the big team at the time in rugby league. They were the main team, the regular Lemberley of winning trophies. And they, they'd offered me more than Wigan as well. My Aaron and my dad wrote a little note to me. And they said, yeah, I, I, Sean has to make a decision whether he wants to play, you know, try to play at Wembley in front of 15,000 Wignesians or 35,000 Wiganers. And that got me. I always, I always got that impression from you that you were sort of Wigan at heart. Well, as I said, you got, got, got offered a lot more money from other clubs. Like St. Helens made the biggest offer, like 15, 20% more than what Wigan made. But I think the fact that my father, you know, he signed for Warrington and my dad was, he signed for a thousand pound back in 1954. And I think my dad had always regretted he never played for Wigan. I think that was also, um, was part of it. And I just joined it to a great time. Just at that time, Wigan was overtook by four great gentlemen. Maurice Lindsay, who passed away last year, Jack Hilton, Tom Rathbone and uh, Mr. Robinson. And they were the four directors and they put a lot of money into buying the best players in the world. Ellery Hanley came like a year and a half, two years after I first came. Uh, but you were right, when I first joined, we were a mid-table team. So Wigan went on then, this is just scratching the surface of what they did and you, what you did. Eight consecutive Challenge Cups, three World Club Cups. You got Man of Steel in 1990. You would have been young 20s then still, wouldn't you? 23. Wigan had a... Because 80... I brought my cheekbone at Wembley. That's right. And, you played the I whole game in the final, wouldn't it? I carried on playing, yeah. yeah. Wigan had an 80% win ratio back then. 
you played 467 games, 292 tries, 37 winners' medals. Like it's probably one of the most dominant eras, not just of rugby league, but of almost sport. You know, and, yeah. and that was in that Wigan side. What was you said the owners came in? Obviously, there was a, an injection of money. What was good? about that Wigan team? It's a big question. Was it players? Was it coaches? Was it the leadership? Yeah. What what made Wigan great? As you know yourself, when you're in a good team, people demand certain certain standards of each other. We also had very good coaches as well. I, I've, I've been very lucky in my life. I always, most of my career, I had very, very good coaches. And that includes all the way back to schoolboy as well. All the way back to... Like Mr. Steve McLeod, was my games master at school, uh, he, he he was miles ahead of his time. He would not let us play three games a week. Um, you don't want to overload the overload the playing. You need to be training and and peaking for matches, maximum two matches a week. And so I've always been very lucky that I've had very, very, very good coaches, both at skewball level and at Wigan. See, like the best coaches I've had, which which obviously you're one of them, whenever you'd like to speak or address us as a team, I used to just think, oh shit, I would have, I would have loved to have played with him. Just, I would have loved to have been in the same dressing room as a great as, as a coach. But I want, I would have loved that as a player as well. And you sort of instantly get the boys' respect. What were you mm-hmm. like as a seventeen-year-old? Were you like how you are now in that sort of mindset? Or was that something you learned from characters you met along the way? It was a bit gobby, I suppose, <laughs> um, but that helped me on the pitch, you know, because uh, I, I played full back a lot at first. In fact, I played my first ten games. Uh, I joke this sometimes I do after doing a speech. The first 10 games, I played standoff. And like I said, Wigan weren't the best team in all the time. And I broke my nose. I knocked my teeth out. I had about 25 stitches in various <laughs> head wounds. And I was thinking, have I made right and stick decision here? <laughs> and uh, thankfully, our coach, Alex Murphy, who's a, a lifelong friend of, of myself and my father, put me on the wing, just take me out the firing line a bit and... Uh, that was a great move from him, and I ended up playing fullback. And my first great brain appearance was as a fullback, as, a, so as an eighteen-year-old. Yeah. I was I was eighteen and a half yeah, when I made my Great Britain derby. Like when you think back to those times, then who were the sort of good lads around you, the leaders and, and players that really sort of stood out to you when you were coming through? Best captain I worked with the, uh, as a player would be Ellery Hanley. Yeah, you know he was. He was a, Man of Steel just after you, was he? Yeah, about yeah. three times he won Man of Steel. He won everything. He was the best player in the world, highest paid player, the best. And I learned a lot of Ellery, you know, to how to score tries, really. Uh, I st- kind of started studying. I thought, how does he get there all the time? <laughs> just pops up at the right time. And then, then I kind of worked it out. He was cutting the angles around and working in front of the ball a bit, a, a little bit like a Rubinho scrum half does now. Yeah. You know, you see Antoine or the great scrum halves, yeah. you know, they're working slightly in front of the ball in case someone makes a break on the edge. Ellery was doing this back in the 80s and so... Obviously, I copied him. <laughs> <laughs> Did pretty well. And, and funnily, uh, funnily, we would be all sometimes we'd be, and we were the best, best of friends, and we're still mates now. You know, you know, he calls me like I'm his younger brother, and we've been pushing each other out of the way to try to, to get. This. <laughs> and then when then Ellery left, he went to Leeds in uh, 1991. I was ended up being the top straw scorer in the league. Two consecutive season because I wasn't fighting with him <laughs> yeah. on the, on these support lines, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I scored like uh, forty tries one year and then forty seven the year after. So it's probably a, a harder question to answer because you normally have to answer this with some pretty positive things about yourself. But you were a young captain at Wigan and a flipping good Wigan team. What do you think the coaches saw in you and liked about you with your captaincy to make you captain at such a young age? 
I'd like to think I was a good tactician. Sam Tompkins once said recently, because uh, I go watch Catherine Dragons train sometimes, you know, and I'm always writing notes down, and he said, Sean Edwards is a rugby nerd. <laughs> Just love rugby. <laughs> and I said, I had to admit, yeah, he's 100% right, and uh, and it's served me well throughout my life, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, obviously I played for 15, 16 years, and obviously coached for nearly 20 now, so being a nerd in... in uh, has worked well for me. Do you think you were always going to be a captain? Because you captain England schoolboys for league and union. Do you think you were always going to follow that trajectory and wanted to into professional rugby to be a captain, or was that not really something on your radar? I'd always been captain of Wigan schoolboys, um, captain of St John Fisher, um, captain of St Mary's when I was under eleven. I was captain. I was captain at Wigan when I was twenty-one. You get youngest ever captain at Wembley. Yeah. Youngest ever winning captain at Wembley. Tried to be captain of players like. Like absolute superstars, and and you're like six, seven years younger than them. Not easy, mate. I tell you. <laughs> so, like I said, I'm just a bit gobby. I think. I think that also helps, <laughs> might, might help, particularly if you're half back. Not so much for you, you know. You, you led in a, in, a, in a different way, even though you could be very vociferous as well. I, re- I always remember that team talk before we played England uh, in the World Cup in 2015, and uh, you certainly you certainly got me going. <laughs> but that was one of the one of the few times in my old life. I actually wish I would have given anything to be on that pitch. Oh, really? <laughs> no, he's yeah. that. I know you said that. And you mentioned the same sentence, Lawrence Delaglio. And you, were, yeah. you probably didn't even remember saying this to me. That, to me, was enormous compliment. I actually, when I was a teenager, I, I had a Wasp shirt for Christmas. You know, when you yeah. were sort of coaching Wasps and yeah. Lawrence Delaglio was playing, yourself was there, ruthless operators, serial winners. When you, well, I, also, I also remember speaking to you before that, Marvellous victory. Well, it was about 10 days before the marvellous victory we had against England, 30 points three at, uh, oh, yeah. at the stadium. And you've been getting a bit of stick, haven't you? Mm. And, and I came and uh, I said that. I remember that you'd, conversation. You'd, you'd be, you'd be, you would be in my, you'd be number seven in my all-time thing, but only just because Tom Reese. Yes. Tom Reese. Hell of fantastic a player. player. But I, 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 just, I could just sense she was lacking a little bit of confidence. And um, and then you you had a blander at Scotland, and then obviously against England, we probably our greatest ever victory, didn't we? Even the best ones, even the best ones, we all doubt ourselves a little bit at times. Yeah, well, I'm, it's interesting you say that because you have there's a few conversations you kind of remember through your career, and um, that, I, that's actually one of the ones, one of the real pivotal ones. I remember having walk up and down the car park in the Vale, and it meant a lot to me that. And I remember chatting to Paul O'Connell recently, and when he said this, I thought of that example. And he said to me, because I was asking him similar things, captaincy, leadership, he said, leadership's how you make people feel. I thought that was a great example from yourself when you spoke to me, because then suddenly yeah. I felt, flipping heck, if if Sean thinks that of me, I'm normally that sort of mindset anyway. I always thought yeah. I was going to be the best and want to be the best. But you do have moments where you think, Jesus Christ, why am I suddenly going through this sort of self-doubt? But that was a really good conversation for me to have with yourself, and that made, that meant a massive amount to me. What moments of self-doubt maybe did you have then in your career? Can you remember ones in oh, your playing years. career? Oh, millions, millions. Virtually before every game. Really? But, yeah. What were you like for a game? Like nervous, anxious, confident? Um, nervous. Hmm. I, I was speaking to uh, William Servat, and I said, positive fear. Mm, I yeah. in French, they're positive, mm. and uh, and he said, "That is so true." 
Yeah. He said, I played my best matches when I'm, when I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> it is, big time. Well, you can't get to that level for every game, but, you know, for the big ones, obviously. I, yeah. I say that. You know you get into that that emotional peak you have to get to as a player where the, the pressure's at its most. And, and I used to remember telling the boys this, like big games is when the big players come out. Like when all that pressure's yeah. on, no, that's yeah, when yeah. the lads stand up. But you can only get to that level that real horrible, uncomfortable level five, six, seven times a year. You know, when the when yeah. it's just... Literally, that's the only thing you're consuming. Like, nothing else matters. In, in, in that many, it could be three, yeah. two or three yeah. times yeah, a I think year, you're right, yeah. I totally, I totally agree with that. What, I, what I, my, I played my best rugby, really, was always against New Zealand. I, I, I played six tests in all against Australia and I'm lucky enough to, to win three of them, which is not a bad record in rugby Very league. Very good, yeah. Um, one of them I was sent off. Yeah, I remember you telling me that story as well. <laughs> Against New Zealand, I think I played nine, te- nine or ten test matches. I only, I only lost uh, once. Why yeah. New Zealand then? Just saw, I always seemed to be in good shape when 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 they was um, coming round, and uh, I remember I played against a great great player called Gary Freeman um, in the nineteen ninety two, um, and at the end of the uh, the two world we went to New Zealand, and I honestly thought he he was miles better than me. In, in these two in these two games that we had, I thought he overplayed me, and I, I'm not joking. For 18 months, all I thought about was Gary Freeman, and uh, I trained so hard. <laughs> I, I was so disciplined with everything I did. And anyway, cut long story short, Wigan versus New Zealand, they beat us again. He had a blander again. I was like ah, and then finally we got we got the Wembley, Great Britain versus New Zealand, and uh, I got man a match. And that was one of my best ever um, accomplishments against such a great player, you know. And we beat him 17 0, and then we went on to, to win the series 3 0. So it just shows that don't give in, boys. <laughs> you know, if it doesn't happen straight away, you know, you just got to dig in sometimes. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I think it's actually quite good making things personal. I used to have in my, when I was playing, you know, with yourself, I would never have told people this, they would have thought I was mad. But there was players I play, I love South Africa, you know, because yeah. that's why I like to say you as a coach. You know, you get some coaches who are like, um, Oh, we got we got to match them, but like you, you never spoke in that language as if we were inferior, trying to True. get to their level. It was always not worthy and forces kind of thing. So I love playing South Africa because people are like, oh, physical challenge and excuse my yeah. language. I used to be like, nah, fuck you. Like they got to match, yeah. they got to match me. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I loved that, and I used to have in my kitchen. I'd open a drawer, my wife would keep all the chocolate and crisps and stuff. And when you get tempted, you know, to go in there, I used to have players' names uh, written down and sellotaped on the inside of that door. So I'd, <laughs> I'd, see, I'd see their names and I'd go, Love it. and I'd, I'd have to close the kitchen door again. i go, no, I'm not doing it, you know, no. I taught you well, I, I taught yeah. you well. <laughs> well, sure, it rubs off, trust me. You rubbed off plenty of times, yeah. Well, I, but I loved all that stuff. Make it personal. Yeah, oh, it is. You, you've got to, you know, it gets the best out of it. You know, it gets the alphas out of you, I think. You're listening to Captains with me, Sam Warburton, and my guest, rugby league legend and current France defence coach, Sean Edwards. I, I always wanted to ask about Anton Dupont as well, because I'm sort of enjoying rugby as a fan now, and you obviously see him firsthand, and you sort of look at his career and the influence he's having. It's, it almost seems very similar to yourself as a player, just one of these guys who's just kind of taken the rugby world by storm. You know, you obviously did it in 
in league in your playing days, he's almost doing that. He's this almost once of a gen once in a generation type player. What what was he like as a as a captain? I've always been fascinated to know what he'd be like. Look to be a fly on the wall and watch him day to day. He's he's one of them who lives by example, and everyone knows how good he is. You know, and he's quite quiet sort of guy. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. When it comes to like the vociferous sort of like Greg Aldrich would be pumping the boys up before the match, mm-hmm. and, and Antoine um, would be. Speaking in a more quiet sort of control yeah. manner, um, but I was a little bit disappointed in one part of the Six Nations where because Antoine's so co- a quiet person, I won't tell you which match it is or which ref- referee it was, but he he, he he asked the referee to would he have a look on uh, the TMO and the TMO refused him, uh, the the referee refused, and I thought that referee should have because it's Antoine he had never asked for anything, I thought he should have you know. Done what he requested, and that's that's the best way to to. But like you, like I said, you know, you you wasn't one who was always on the you know speak to referee all the time like Lawrence was, and he had a different way of doing it. But you know, um, there's not only one foot sort of captain, and uh, yeah. I'd, I'd say Antoine would be definitely one who leads by example. So see, you're in France now, and um, you've brought three million Welsh public along as, as French fans now as well. If Wales aren't playing, we're all watching France. I'll t- 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 tell you one thing. When I first came here, and well, was before we won anything, I'd never felt such been in a team where the opposition had such warm feelings towards the team I was representing, like, you know, France. Everybody's like, it was the second favourite team was France. Yeah, and I yeah. was like... I'm not sure this is right because I was used to being hated at Wigan, you know, because you won oh, everything no, at yeah. Wigan. But everyone hated you. And I'm not, I'm not, I was really uncomfortable like, with this, that people being really nice. Oh, we love the French team and, you know, we love watching you play and all that. I'm, like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not so sure this is, this is the right way of going about it. <laughs> <laughs> because, because everyone hates winners, don't they, normally? Yeah, I know. Everyone loves France now. They'll love it. Yeah. I'll tell you, there's one thing I thought, because I, I wanted to, I'll ask, I'll ask you the question. I'll give you what I think first and tell me if I'm wrong because I'm just guessing as a pure as a mere mortal now from the outside because um, people say to me oh, what do you think Why France have obviously gone really good and I, I know as part of a team there's never one person you've obviously been a massive part of that there's great people in the setup coaching setup and players but when I see your influence in France if, with someone, if I had to sum it up really quickly the biggest thing that I can see just watching France is it looks to me that Sean has got France to defend with the same appetite that they've always had to attack. They they just care yeah. so much more about defence than it seems like they have done in the past and that seems to shine through. What was what did you want to bring to the French team when you first went in there? Well, organisation, obviously. Um, I'm, I'm sure they had it before, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not judging what, what happened before. Mm. So organisation, um, uh, intelligent aggression. Yeah, I used to like the, that term you used. In, yeah. Intelligent aggression, um, and just uh, just an emphasis on on the fact that you know normally fifty percent of the time you're going to be defended actually a little bit more with the French team. I think we've made mm. most tackles in 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 the recent Six Nations. Yeah, you kicked a lot still, yeah. Because yeah, and, and and one of the biggest changes is is if we have a structured kicking game now. Whereas um, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm, I don't know if they had one before. I'm, I'm, I'm I've no idea to be honest. Um, I remember you saying it on other other TV on the TV show. You have to kick the ball to win games of international rugby. <laughs> People don't understand you can't just run it because what will happen is because you've been trying to run the ball all the time, 
you have no energy to defend. Mm. When you yeah. have that vital moment, you've got to stop them all far from the trial line. When you've got to kick chase, I said, you have no energy left because you've wasted all your energy on, on, on just on one component of the game, which is attack. And you have to balance that the energy level between attack, kicking yeah. game, set piece, scrum, defending malls. You can't go hundred percent all the time. There's there's not never been a man made in history you could do absolutely one hundred percent all the time in, yeah. in a game of rugby. So you, you have to have that balance between uh, you know, obviously with our, our team, I mean, we've got fantastic attacking players, you know what I mean? But let's attack in their half, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, unless it's from a turnover, you know, I mean turnovers, yeah. you know, all teams are. I mean, we're pretty lethal from turnovers. The French team, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you've got some incredible athletes and great rugby players. So, and that's one of the reasons you know players like you, you could, even though you you was mainly a defensive player, but you wasn't. You could use an attacking player as well because you create the turnover yeah. for the attack. To, to, to I, st- I still think I still think of you a lot. I, I almost every game I do, if it's commentary or I'm just watching. And say there's a try from an intercept or something. And I always just think, and I know, I'm like, say if it was France who got that, like Ramos got one, didn't he, in the Six Nations. Really? I'm like, Sean would be happy with that. That's a defensive try. Yeah. He got on the passing lane. Yeah. He got up, you know, and I'm like, that's a defensive try. Yeah. And that's like a win for you as a D coach. Yeah. And I, I, because I, I used or, to. Yeah, love... if you coach a rook in the 22. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, you get the ball. I, I, that's what I always think of. Like people look at the, like a, a turnover, they look at the, the three crisp passes to the corner. I'm like, yeah, no, it was it was that double counter ruck from Aldrit and it was like a winger. I, I can't remember who it was. Penno, Penno, yeah, I think it was. It, was it Italy or something? I can't remember. But I remember thinking, oh, that that's a defensive try, you know. But yeah. like, you, I don't want to sound too defensive, but I'm always on that defensive side of the ruck. Yeah. But I can see a lot of the good that France are doing. And without, like I say, pumping you up again, I'm like oh, that Sean's influence again. Like I can find the source of yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of the French points from from yourself. What about then? You obviously you, you've been so comfortable in the Welsh environment, and, and I liked your coaching style. I remember you saying to the lads once because, and I do think some of the lads I, I they they take your feedback sometimes the wrong way, and they get offended. I remember you said, "No, lads, if I'm giving you feedback, it's because I think I can make you even better. You need to worry when I ah. stop giving you feedback because I think you're a lost cause." You yes. know, and I think players completely change their perception of getting feedback from yourself. Did you have to say tone it down to begin with with the French boys, or did you go in straight as you were with the Welsh team? Ah, no, you've got to build up to that, mate. You, you have to, build, you, have to <laughs> you have to build up to that. Uh, Are you at that level uh, now? Then I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I tried to. Uh, were, were the French words how to say this? Because I need to get this <laughs> absolutely perfect. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did explain to them. Actually, it was about a year ago, and I said, "Vous devez rappeler." Je donnais le critique. <laughs> C'est bon pour vous parce que je pense vous êtes très bon joueur. <laughs> I think you're a very good player. That's why I criticize you. Really, that's good. <laughs> but I think I can make you better. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that changed the boys' mindsets of what what they were like. What do you? Uh, like? Yes, and, and they, they they got to a stage. The same thing happened at Wasp, and I always remember a guy called Paul Volley. He was always, I swear to God. It was clearly obvious he'd made a mistake. And he would say, no, that's not me. It's not me. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we said the thing is, uh, you know, if, 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 you, if you're not being criticised, you know, start worrying because you're probably going to be on your yeah. way, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, 
And it's a, it's just a total turnaround. Now, why have I had no criticism? I must yeah. have done something wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a good way to think of it. Because I, 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 that's why I thought you got coaching right. Um, obviously, I like, don't need me to tell don't need me to tell you that. But like you, 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 you got in my head in a good way. Um, I tell you what, you know, you know, you're just the defensive player of the um, of the game. Yeah, I still, and, I still and do you that. Give, They're all. Yeah, I've still kept my uh, bottle that you give yeah. me. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, that's, I'm going to cherish oh, that. Like, I go to the grave. Antoine's got really cheesed off that bit. But I give it to him for the England game, but I didn't present it to him in front of everybody else. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was a bit cheesed off I didn't do that because uh, <laughs> he's uh, desperate to win it. Yeah, but that's exciting. I remember I really Joss Lucet, Joss Lucet, World Cup winner. World Cup winner. I said, I'm the defensive player, Joss Lucet. He jumped up and went, Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> That's what I probably wanted to do. Do you know what? (laughs) (laughs) I would never say this, but I'd finish a game and I'd be like, I I hope Sean gets. I had a hell of a game. I hope Sean gets me for that. But then, like a, a winger would have a really good play. And I'd be like, ah, oh, shit, yeah, fair enough. You know, i got to do more, yeah. i got to do more, you yeah, know. Yeah, because you can win it for various different... You can, you can win it for one action. You know, yeah, like I yeah. remember giving it to Damien Penny, uh, Damien Penny uh, when we beat New Zealand because it was a critical time of the match. It was like a, it was like a four on two. And they had us on an edge and they could have gone at 80 metres and he just come in yeah. and did an intercept. Scored yeah, yeah. and it was game over, like you know. And yeah, I just those. got him for the because for one moment of absolute magic in yeah. defence, you get the you get the ball. Because I realised I was being a hypocrite. Because like, say now, if like a say a ten gets nine kicks out of nine, he's a man of the match. I'm like, well, that's what he's meant to do. That's his job. <laughs> so I'm like, if I got however many turnovers or however many tackles, it's like, well, that's my job. That's what I meant to do. If I do any less, then I've had a poor game. You know, and there was another game I remember. We were playing Ireland in. 20, oh, it was a home game. Can't remember which one it was. My memory's shocking. But we went about 30 phases in defence. Yeah, I remember and, um, that. 2015 we, we, yeah, yeah. And we, we won that game. But I, I remember, you won't know this, I remember running round to fold because you, like, you do defensive meetings and you pick boys out who aren't working hard enough and yeah. things. I remember folding as we were playing to try and get to the open side. I remember thinking... If Sean, and you know, like you think these things in like a split second. Yeah. It sounds like I'm saying a lot, but you think it's in a split second. I remember thinking, if Sean on Monday says Sam, because I remember I was off, I was off on my feet. I, I could barely move. I was trying my fucking best to get around the corner, <laughs> even though I was literally like running on empty. I remember thinking, if Sean said Sam, I'm putting a gun to your head. You've got to run faster. I'd be like, Sean, I couldn't. You know, I was Sean, thinking even yeah, that. Yeah. You know, I was I was trying to work that hard, and that's what I think is just so great. I think from the influence you have, it, you know, you, it's not just systems. It's just the way you get the lads to buy into you and what you're doing. And I don't know whether you make a conscious effort for that, but I think it's one of your, your great strengths. Thanks. It, it helps if you like your coach, doesn't it? You know, yeah, you know, it if you, yeah. you know, you know, but you want to play you, for it. You, you know, I, have I, to I, be best friends. You know what I mean? But. I think it, what matters most is you want the coach to think good of you as a player. 100%. Thanks so much to Sean for his time. I love the quote he mentioned from Sam Tompkins, and it's so accurate. Sean is a rugby nerd. There's no bigger compliment you could pay him. It's amazing the impact he's had during his time with France, and I cannot wait to see how they go at the World Cup. Okay, a reminder, if you want to get in touch, email the show on captains at crowdnetwork.co.uk and check out the LinkedIn page. Just search for Captains with Sam Warburton. 
Next time, it's part two of my chat with Sean. We cover a bit more about his time at Wigan, Wasps and Wales. Until then, thanks for listening. Crowd Network, a place where you belong.